Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, Playmakers, what's going on? Hello, welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's been a hot minute since we've had you on here for our episodes, but we're excited because we have a special guest here and we don't want to ruin it because what a story and journey we're ready to share with y'all. So we're going to toss it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Oh my goodness. Well, thank y'all so much for having me today. I am so excited to be on here. I feel so honored. My name is Amy White. I live here in Little Rock, Arkansas. I have been married for 25 years. I have five kids, uh, four boys who are 22, 21, 20, and 18. And then I have a 15-year-old daughter. So I have very much been in the sports world. All of my boys are, are huge athletes. And I'm actually got my fourth son graduating early and leaving in January. So I can hardly talk about it. So I'm going to be the first time in 22 years without a boy in my home. So anyway, I am super excited to hopefully add value to anyone on here today. Oh my gosh. So four boys, basically back to back to back. And I'm sure lots of sports and different activities back to back to back and all at the same time. So how did you navigate that when they were younger and kind of going through all the different activities and things that you had to take them to. You know, and I'm going to go ahead and preface this. I have a husband on everything I do. He has always been such a huge help. And I know everybody doesn't have that, but that has been something that I have very much. He's always encouraged me in all my endeavors in my entrepreneurship. He's helped me. He, you know, obviously he has other jobs too, but I couldn't do half the things I do if I didn't have him who was supporting me either, you know, like in person, like helping me physically or also behind the scenes, kind of patting my back <laughs> and encourage me. But, you know, like it, I just told y'all, you know, with the ages of my kids. So I had four boys in four and a half years. Actually, my oldest was four years and four months old when I had Walker, my fourth boy. And so no, none of them are twins, but they're very close in age. And I just was like, and I was the oldest of three girls. So I was like, what am I going to do with all these boys like oh my gosh but you know god god is good i i think now i could have gone on and had four more boys oh like i love them i'm not kidding i love them so much i have a lot of energy though and i'm real laid back with my with my family and with my kids and you know i was always kind of when they were growing up and like going on the top part of the monkey bars not underneath the monkey bars like you're supposed to i was like well if they you know, if they fall, they fall and they break their arm and they'll learn their lesson, you know, and not that I was sitting around wanting them to fall, but you can't be everywhere at all times. And when, when you've got four of them, I mean, I just was like, I couldn't turn my head and they were very active little boys. They were very active. And so, um, when we started with the sports stuff, my older ones, obviously we, you know, we did all the basketball and we tried soccer and we did the flag football. And that's another question I get all the time. You know, what about flag football or, or do I just tackle, do you agree with, what do you agree with? And down the baseball stuff. And I could talk to y'all for an entire day on all the things that we've done. But when they were younger and in flag football, and also when they were younger and in baseball, we did not do the travel ball. We didn't do any of that extra stuff. We couldn't, we were, we were 
we first of all didn't have the money, but second of all, how, we could we only were two parents, yeah. so we didn't want to grow our life up with our kids always being separated, mm-hmm. him being somewhere and me being somewhere. We just didn't want that. And so when we were growing them up, we would really have them play on each other's teams because they were so close together. So like my second son would either play with my older son one year on a football or a baseball team. And then the next year, my second son, because the way that the age would be, he would play with my third son. And so we really had my kids when they were growing up and because they were so athletic, it wasn't a hindrance to the team Mm -hmm. that they would play up. And so that's really how we did a lot of that. So I'll never forget being at a baseball game and I had three boys playing at a time. Oh my God. And David and I sat, we stood in the middle of the grass in between three different fields. And we would just like one, you know, so then we would look over here and we'd see one of them was up to bat. And then all of a sudden over here, this one's pitching. And then over here, okay, this one's catching. And so we would literally just kind of, you know, do that. And that's just kind of how how we did it. And it made it fun because we have so many memories and so many pictures of them winning the flag football championship together, Super Bowl. And there was two of my boys on there. So that's pretty much when they were younger, Mm -hmm. how we really kind of managed for playing sports until they got to a certain age where we couldn't double team them up. Yeah. (laughs) That's really amazing. I'm just imagining standing in the middle of the field and having your head on a swivel, trying to keep up with everything going on. But I, I'm one of four siblings and I will say that my parents had to be at three different places all at different times. It was very interesting how everyone made it work. And I will say the reason why we wanted to have you on the podcast is because your platform on Instagram really inspires families to have those moments and those memories and just really what the behind the scenes is of raising a family in sports and what that comes with. And I feel like with your platform, you probably didn't know that that's what it was going to turn into. And so people started reaching out, asking you questions. Um, So share a little bit about that, because how did your platform like evolve to what it is today? Yeah. So when I, when my kids were younger, I became an entrepreneur. Um, we had struggled, hit on hard times. Life kind of just got difficult, but I, I knew I needed to help my family out somehow, but did not want to leave my kids. And so I really started my business by doing it while they were at the playground or when they were asleep. And so it has evolved as me being an entrepreneur alongside being a mom. I did not know how my kids were going to be in sports. I didn't know anything what they were going to amount to. We just had a high bar that we raised for our children. We raise it for our own self, whether we're in sports or work or whatever. And so as I have been in this entrepreneurship world of growing my business, a lot of my business is online. And so, yes, I can do it in person, but I've really been trying to figure out how can I capture people? How can I serve people for more than just my business? And because of kind of where I've been with my kids growing up and seeing kind of their sports avenues and how they've taken off and what's all kind of gone on. You know, I remember someone telling me, you know, I've been kind of trying to figure out how can I serve people, but I didn't know really what to post. I was like, I am a regular mom, just like everybody else. And there's tons of boy moms and there's tons of sports moms. How am I different? And so that's kind of really where I started trying to figure out how can I how can I add value and show other people kind of our daily life? And by the way, 
having these kids, when they become teenagers, they don't really want you to post a lot about them. And so that was a very hard thing for me because I was like, how can I reach people if my kids don't want me to talk about them or (laughs) post about them or I, you know, it's, you know, and certain personalities of my boys were more private than others. So it's like, I just posted a picture, a video of one of them the other day. I had to ask permission. And Mm -hmm. so certain, you know, and there, and I, I will tell you, as you are a mom, if you are on social media or whatever you're wanting to do, I do think that asking permission to your children is huge, mm-hmm. especially the older they get. You know, I look at all these parents that have all these young kids and they're like, I'm like, they don't have to ask their permission at all. They're just doing it all. <laughs> but once they come a certain age, you're going to be asking permission and you're going to, you know, I've had a friend of mine going, I'm just going to have to block my kids because they don't want me posting anything about them. And it's, and it's, you know, I thought, oh, I've never thought about blocking my kids. Like, oh, maybe I should do that too. But you know, I kind of so I started just sharing stuff on social media, and things have just—it's literally, I think, since my oldest son got married in May, he's twenty-two, and I think since then, my my Instagram, my social platform has really changed. And I think the reason why is because for a while I was stuck. I didn't know what I should post. And so I just started thinking, you know what, what are the questions? And I really help my team with this. I help other people that reach out to me about their platform or how they can serve others. And I really help them. And I tell people all the time, what are the questions that you get asked all the time? What are those questions? And y'all on a daily, I have people asking me about how to raise boys. And even though I have a daughter, it's, I have four boys in four years and that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a small feat in itself. Yeah. But I was always having people ask me about raising boys. And then I was always having people asking me about sports and the, the older my kids have gotten. And with my oldest going and playing D one football, and then my second going and playing D one baseball. And then my third doing not anything because he hurt his knee. And then my fourth now going to Auburn to play quarterback D1 football. I've started turning a lot of heads because I have, I've had three out of the four of my boys go D1, which is really, I mean, I don't like tooting my own horn, but that's pretty, you usually don't see that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I have something to offer on what we did, how we messed up, what we did right, what we did wrong. And I'm just using that in my stories and platforms. And it has literally just started taking off. That's so great too, because I feel like I played college softball. And when we were in the recruiting process, you know, I, my parents and I knew nothing about being recruited, what that looked like, what you needed to do. And it's evolved a lot over the past, since I've been in college, it's evolved a lot. It's a lot more social media based. And now seeing our husbands do that, you know, recruiting these players, it's so crazy what goes into it. And the parents, I mean, they don't know. They're like along for the ride. You know, I'm sure by the fourth boy, you're like, all right, we got this down. Like we know exactly what we're doing. So what is, what's some of the advice that you could give someone that's kind of going through that for the first time? Yeah. So, you know, with my oldest son, um, so obviously you can't help the body that God gives you, right? And I think that that sometimes, and I think, I know sometimes that plays a part 
in your sports athlete world. And you've got to just deal with what God's given you, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can't stretch yourself to make you taller. And so my oldest two boys are 5'11". They're this, my husband's 5'11". They're in, which is great. I mean, they're, but as a, my oldest son going and playing for the Razorbacks, University of Arkansas, he was a slot wide, wide receiver. Well, usually nowadays they want those wide receivers a good six, three or so. And so immediately that was against my son when he went to, to now, when we were in high school, he set every record known to man. I mean, it's still, right. there. he was amazing. And, but you know, this is what I tell people all the time. You know, he was, my kids are the hardest workers, all four of them. They work when no one is watching. They don't, we don't allow excuses. Like, so they're working all the time. But with John David, my oldest, we were told because he's our oldest. So we didn't know to not do camps. Don't do summer camps. You don't need to go. They're stupid. Yada, 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 yada. Well, we didn't. And, you know, this coach doesn't, didn't let them in the summertime miss more than four practices or they were off the team. And so there was never a time to even go to a camp because he, my son was a starter and he didn't want to not play. And so we thought, heard they were not worth it. So we just, and this was in 2018, 2019. And so we didn't, and he ended up going to one camp and ended up like running like this, breaking this huge, doing this huge thing on this four or five, you know, on the running and all that kind of stuff. But that was it. And so I really think that that did him a disservice on, so I've got a couple of things on that. I think that that did him a disservice on where he went to college. He wouldn't trade it for the world. He's met the best friends and it was literally where he was supposed to go. We grew up Razorback fans. My dad played football at the University of Arkansas. My brother played football. My granddad played football at the University of Arkansas. My husband was a golfer at the University of Arkansas. I mean, we're University of Arkansas people. So for Walker to go to Auburn, we're all like, okay, (laughs) let's go Warren Eagle. I mean, (laughs) you know, but you just kind of, you're so excited for your kids. You don't care where they go and you want go where they want to go. So mm-hmm. one thing for him is we were told to not do camps. So I would say you've got to do camps. I mean, yeah. bar none. And when we took Walker to the camps, cause we learned, you know, so my older two are five, five, 11 Walker's six, four. Okay. So my, my third son is six, three, and then Walker is six, four, two twenty. Okay. Well, he was basically six, four in like the 10th grade. I mean, oh not really, <laughs> but he has always been bigger. So that is to his just it's just a positive part of how God made him and that has helped him in the recruiting process he had our 32 d1 offers whatever but I will never forget when I took him to the Ole Miss football camp and that one one coach was like from not even Ole Miss someone else that was there watching was like is that your son and I was like yes this is when he was in the 10th grade and I was like yes and anyway we just kind of started talking and I told him I said well with my oldest we were told not to go to camps and he said uh, we don't even look at anybody if they don't go to camps. And so that is something that I think that, and and I think nowadays in the 2023 world with the transfer portal, it's going to even get harder. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you don't go to camps, you're doing yourself a, de- a detriment. In fact, I did a, a live on this the other day. You need to start now. People ask, when do we go? We didn't, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just going to tell you what we did. We started the summer before Walker's sophomore year. By the way, Walker really didn't play football until eighth grade. 
Okay. Which is a whole nother thing that we could talk on that people think they have to start when they're two and you have to push them. And then all of a sudden by the time they're eighth grade, they're probably burned out. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, he, he didn't start till eighth grade. No, my older ones did because when they played flag, flag football, they were my older ones and we had time for them. By the time Walker came around, we were like, we don't have time for you. You know, like we're not going to go. <laughs> We're not going to go to this practice for you when you're, we're, I'm going to be missing one of your brother's games. So we would just said, oh, we're not doing it. So <laughs> sixth and seventh grade, he played, but he was like the only person basically on the team. I mean, so he really didn't learn anything about football until eighth grade. And wow. we really started playing. Um, and then he, he won the position his 10th grade year over a senior and has been, you know, starting since his ninth grade, you know, 10th grade year. So going to camps is huge. Another thing too, that was told to us when we had John David is that, you know, you need to go where you're wanted to play football. And I really agree with that too. Going D2, D3, JUCO, they're all just as great, but you've got to have a conversation with your kid on where do they really want to go to school? Do they want to play? If they want to play and they're not getting recruited by very many people, Go with the people that are recruiting you because they, you know, that they want to win. John David was, had a full ride to Air Force. He had a full ride to UCA, which is just like 30 minutes from here. And he wouldn't, he knew he could play D1 level because of his work ethic. And he just didn't play very much, hardly at all. And didn't have a coach that put him in. You know, you have to also have a coach that believes in you, no matter your size. But it does, like I said, no matter, like every coach there where they were like, I wish that my entire team was like John David. He's the hardest working person I've ever seen, but then yet he wouldn't play it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then there was frustration. So David and I were always counseling and counseling and counseling him when he was in college. And so, and he wouldn't trade it to this day, but I will say he didn't play like he thought he would play. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing that you really want to ask your kids is, do you want to go to college and play? You may have to go to a D1 or a D2, right. D3, or are you... Do you know that you just want to go and be on? Because his was a preferred walk-on. So we didn't get a scholarship. My older two boys didn't have scholarships. They were preferred walk-ons. Walker's full ride. So as I'm saying, like I've been, we've known where you can tell when you're wanted. We've seen it. We've seen it. Go where you're wanted. Yeah, I love this advice because a lot of the times I feel for the parents that come on the recruiting trips and just hearing about how many offers that your sons have received and where to go. I feel like it is so overwhelming. And so every time, you know, no matter what college program that Brittany and I have been a part of is you feel for the parents because so much is thrown in your face so quickly. And you feel like with those big time decisions, you have all these voices telling you what to do, what opinions you should have, what you should look for. And I don't know how parents have done it because you want what's best for your kid. But then there's also every place you go, no matter where you go, there's that gut feeling of like, okay, I don't think this is the best, but you don't want to influence your son to the point where you're like, well, I don't want to sway their decision if they want to really do this. So with the recruiting process, can you share a little bit about how you stayed grounded? Because I feel like there's a lot of noise. Like there's a lot of flashy things. There's a lot of things that can be offered to you, but you don't know if that's what's best. So what have you learned through that process? 
I would just say really kind of through the recruiting process with Walker, because we really, even though we had other two, our other two, they were preferred walk-ons. So we didn't have the, the attention like we have with, with Walker. I think to just not get so excited about all the things that come your way almost, um, because once again, you know, so one thing that David said that had, was so good, David is my husband, when Walker went to a camp in Tulsa and he met, you know, there was Oklahoma, there was other coaches there. He knew he didn't afterwards and he started getting other offers. He knew Tulsa was not going to be the place for him. Mm-hmm. Not anything other. That's fine. It just wasn't where he wanted to go. And David just said, don't ever burn bridges because you never know where coaches are going to end up. And I thought that was just such the best advice because nowadays coaches aren't staying any place very long, as y'all know. Players aren't staying anywhere very long, as y'all know. And so I think that when you know all of that, it's easier to not get so excited because you don't really know what's going to happen year to year, which is also makes it harder to make a decision. Because if you join this college for this coach or this culture or these whatever, but then they leave the next year, but you've committed, it's just hard. I, I mean, you have to almost just trust. So there is a lot of factors that go into making a decision. And so Walker was offered a bunch of offers. We had a lot of carrots thrown away. Walker was also one that did not want to be somebody that committed and decommitted. And so I think that that was also another big character piece for him. He wanted when he committed, that was his word. He's committed. And I think so many times because we've been in all these coaches offices, I mean, you know, we're texting back and forth with Hugh Freeze or, you know, we, we have all these people's numbers, coaches talk. And they talk about, and we've been in the room when they talk about other players, not in a bad way, but they talk about the players that are shopping that NL money. And they all will call, oh, I just got this person come over here and I he's probably coming your way. So, you know, Walker is going to play football. Like the, like the, the money, he hasn't even been offered a penny. He's going to play football. And every school is very different. And I think every coach is very different. And I really think that that's, that stuff will take care of itself. But the more that you talk about all that kind of stuff, I feel like it's going to ruin rock locker rooms. Because at the end of the day, what are you there for? Football. And so that was kind of Walker's thing. He wanted to go where he wanted to play football. And, and he knew that once he committed, he was going to be committed. So his decision when he committed was a serious decision, but he really just kind of felt like, I mean, there was a time there that we thought we were going to all miss. We thought that's maybe kind of where he was going to end up. He, we knew the whole time he wasn't going to go to Arkansas. Um, they actually didn't recruit him, but he knew that that wasn't where he wanted to go. So there was a time there we, we were, we thought Ole Miss was all the way. And then coaches, some things happened. And certain people, and then the next thing we knew, we got a call saying, you might not want to make a decision. And we weren't going to make it early anyway. And um, and some things happened in the coaching. And then we found out that Hugh Freeze. And and then what the interesting part was that when Hugh became a, the head coach there, the first person that he hired 
was the coach that was from Tulsa is who gave Walker the uh, scholarship to Tulsa. So when Philip Montgomery became the OC at Auburn, his first call was Walker. So you see what I'm saying? Like you can't make these decisions too quick. You never want to burn bridges because you never know where these coaches are going to go and they're going to end up. And I just really feel like if you have any say in your son's or daughter's recruitment to really just take time, obviously pray, you know, we, we prayed about it and we just kind of really weighed all the odds of where he was going and how it was going to be best for him and with the staff and the school and the, this and the, that, and, and really just kind of, but all this committing and decommitting and shopping around on who's going to give me the best deal and all that stuff. I feel like that's just going to ruin that, that athlete and, and not bode well for anyone. Yeah, that's a lot. I feel like it's exhausting. The process has changed so much too, especially with football and, you know, the portal and NIL and all of that has changed just in the past couple of years, it's just become crazy. And you're right. And people leave all the time. And this industry is, is like that. That's just what it is. So it's hard to select a school being like, I really want to play for this coach in this specific program and know that like, you just never know how long that's going to last, which is, that's just such a weird concept for me because I was recruited a very long time ago, but it was very different at that point. And it was like, this is my coach. I know he's not leaving. That wasn't even a conversation at that time so that's so interesting to have to go through that but uh with your daughter so did she like did she play any sports or was she just she's like I'm done with all of them playing all their sports I can't even think about it no she she was a uh, competitive um cheer and she did really she was really 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 good at that and once again with all the sports thing you know you're like you don't have to start you don't have to do all that but then I feel like with the girls sometimes I'm like we should have started volleyball way earlier than when when we did because I wanted her to do volleyball when she was in the sixth and seventh grade because volleyball was really taking off and I was like you can do this alongside cheer right she did not she was adamant she didn't want to do that and I was like well I'm not going to push her because I really don't have the time for it anyway so (laughs) I'll just be just once again I don't have time for those fourth and fifth kids (laughs) And so I was like, well, by the time we got to eighth grade, we were at a new school and all of our friends are playing volleyball. None of them are cheering. And which is totally opposite of when I was growing up. Everybody wanted to be this cheerleader. Well, her grade is like boss in like basketball and volleyball. Like they're athletes. I mean, I'm not saying a cheer person is an athlete, but I mean, they are. So she's been trying the volleyball thing and she hasn't made the team. So this is a whole opposite thing that I've had with my boys. She didn't make the team in seventh seventh grade, no, eighth grade. She didn't make the team in ninth grade. She's been manager both years. And I'm just like, you know, you're going to have to work even harder. So we are not doing cheer anymore. We are doing volleyball. She did club volleyball last year and actually made that. So we did club volleyball. She actually, and she just made club volleyball again, the same exact team. We did not go up higher, but we made it. And I just told her, I said, your goal to make the team in high school and we're going to do it. And so, you know, we just, I don't, we don't stay in this state of, oh, poor me, I'm not making a team. And that's kind of what I've loved so much about 
my business in the entrepreneurship world, because if it gets hard, I'm like, that's why I, I relate it so much to sports because I'm like, did you quit when you were a volleyball player? Like, what would you tell your kid if they didn't make the volleyball team? Oh, well, just don't try out ever again because you aren't, aren't good. No, you go, all right, put our bootstraps on. We're going to go work harder and we're going to make it next year. And that's how we've raised our kids. But that's kind of her, which what she's done is she, right now she's, but she's fixing to play church league basketball. So, you know, she's, she's mm -hmm. happy, but it's very opposite of my boys. And I'm, we're great with that, you know, and she's, she's going to be sad though, once her, her brother leaves because they're besties. I'm hearing all this and I'm thinking to myself, just when I did competitive cheer, I never did volleyball, but I did competitive cheer. And there were times that the parents were part of the issue when it came to success and failure. So there was a lot of times where, you know, you would get feedback or say they didn't make something like they didn't make the team. I will never forget this. We, they gave it like, they let us know we made the team the most dramatic way. They passed out envelopes. I will never forget this. They did it every year. It was like the moment where you open your envelope and it said, congratulations, but everyone's standing in the same area together. So awful, but for the girls that did not make it, the feeling of, I just will never forget of the girls running to their moms and feeling that heart rate, like that heart wrenching pain of like, oh, my kid did not make what they wanted to do. And a lot of the reactions were very different. So there was some that were very encouraging. We're like, okay, we're not going to be a victim. We're going to, like what you said, put on our bootstraps and start working. And then there was a lot that blamed their coaches and blamed the people that were actually helping them, trying to get them to where they are. So my question with that is, is when your daughter did experience that and didn't make the team as a parent, what was your approach? Because I know that you said we weren't going to be a victim, but having that conversation with your daughter is so hard. So what did you do in that moment? I mean, I'm real, just kind of like, tell it like it is. <laughs> I mean, I want to also be extremely encouraging, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything because I feel like sometimes that sets people up for failure too. So her first year that she tried out, I was like, well, okay, you know, you're not going to make it. I mean, I know that a lot of people hate hearing me say that, but we, we, she had never hardly hit a ball and she was right. trying out with like boss babes. I mean, yeah. I hate saying it. She, and she knew it, but we just had to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, and, and she became manager and that's great. And the great thing about what they do at her school with her being manager is that she goes and practice. She's with the team at every practice. She practices with the team. So she got better that year by just being manager. Cause she practices with the team. She runs that's the awesome. line drill and she does the hitting and she's, you know, and I think that that plus we also were doing some privates to help her make club volleyball. We were just had to get our foot in the door. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's hard to do. And so that first year we kind of didn't have any expectation, you know, I mean, we really didn't, I kind of didn't either the second year, to be honest, once again, just because of her grade. And so I think that in her heart, she kind of didn't really either. So it was kind of sad, but it wasn't just this meltdown. Yeah. Oh, so, and obviously you have to kind of tiptoe around girls a little bit more than you, you do boys. And, you know, like the football, you don't not make the team. Everybody makes football. I mean, pretty much. I mean, you may not start, but everybody makes the team. 
you know? And so baseball, pretty much everybody probably makes the team. I mean, and so with this competitive, all this other stuff, it, it is harder. And then with girls, it's double time harder, but I will tell you one story about her last year when she was trying out for a club, I signed her up for three different places to try out for club. I was like, I don't know if you're going to make it, but we're going to try. And I'm going to sign you up to all these different places and we're going to go and we're going to try out and see if we can just get our foot in the door somewhere. And so we went to her the first place and it was three hour tryout. She got in the car and immediately crying, you know, and just so sad. And, and she goes, I'm not going to the second tryout. I said, Oh yes, you are. (laughs) Oh yes, you are. I said, guess who's in the driver's seat. I said, we're going to go get something to eat and you're going to stop crying and you're going to go try out this afternoon. And there was another three hour tryout. We stood in line and we went and did that. And she just cried and didn't want to and didn't want to. And, you know, I told her, I said, Molly Kay, I had told you when you were in the sixth and seventh grade, we should try out for volleyball. And you didn't want to. And I listened to you. I was like, okay, whatever. I said, I'm not listening to you again. I said, because I feel like I'm doing you a disservice by doing that. And so we're going to try our hardest and we're going to go through these challenges and you're going to feel good when you make a team because you will make a team. And so that night, you know, we got a call from the first trial that she made the team. And we also got a call the next day that she made the team at the other place. Well, everyone didn't make a team. Like this year, she just tried out on Sunday. There was 95 15-year-olds and only 40 made a team. And she was one of them. She's only in her second year of volleyball. So that was something to me that I, you know, I'm, I was like, I'm not going to listen to to the crying. I'm not going to listen. We're not going to quit. We're not going to back down. We're going to go and we're going to try and we're going to life. That's, that's life. If it's not sports, it's business. If it's not business, it's parenting. If it's not parenting, it's marriage, friendships. I mean, with everything. And so I feel like I'm doing my kids a disservice if I, if I allow all that junk that comes in the way. So that, so that's kind of how I've, I've been with her and, you know, we don't really know what the future is going to hold with her in high school. We're not looking to go scholarship. We're just looking to be with friends mm-hmm. and have fun along the way and not stress ourselves out. And, and there's a lot of parents that go cray cray and I'm sitting here going, <laughs> you need to have a couple more kids or something, because this is insane. <laughs> so, listen, and I go crazy when my kids are playing sports. I mean, I'm like, yelling and but because you get in the moment but I see too many parents it ruin relationships mm-hmm. other parents and I'm going that's where we draw the line I mean really like probably your kid is not going to college to play anything so don't ruin the relationships yeah I think that's so important though because the way that you're coming about it with that perspective is important to have I think a lot of times parents they hype their kids up and they might not be at that level and then their kids think they are and that's where a lot of that disappointment and frustration comes from is because their whole lives have been like this oh you got that you know you're so great and it's like well you're not at that level so you can't expect to be at that level but I think that's just such a good perspective of not giving up but also 
giving her the the real truth of like Mm -hmm. that might not be you right now and that's totally fine you're at a different spot and you know that's fine so I want to talk about so you're an entrepreneur you have a lot of people under you a lot of people looking up to you what's the number one piece of advice that you feel like you've given them parenting or in general I think I mean I I know I mean this is the first thing that kind of comes to my mind and it's it's more about just friendships I'm just such a people person And I just feel like this day and age, everyone is so like, I feel like lonely or social media kind of makes you just feel, you know, you kind of look at everybody's life. And Mm -hmm. I I just think that people need to be seen and loved and heard no matter what. And everybody's situation and their family is extremely different. And so you can't really judge what all people are doing. And I've been judged a lot with like school I chose, or why did we leave this school and go to this school? And why did I switch companies? And I was judged. And then people don't, aren't friends with me anymore. And they take me off their friend list because I switched a company and I'm sitting there just going, what? Like, I'm still the same person. <laughs> like, like, and so I've just told myself, I would never do what has been done to me to other people. And so I just really challenge my team to just love people no matter where they're at. If they work hard or if they don't work hard, if they show up or if they don't show up, if they want to build a business or if they don't want to build a business, if they switch and go to someone else's company and they switch and go to someone else's team, still love them because they're still the same person. And it's, it's in the big scheme of life, not that big of a deal if things happen like that. And so I think that we need people, we need friendships. We need, and, and so that's kind of a big thing for me is just loving on people And because I know how it makes me feel when people love on me and make me feel accepted and loved and, and they're, and they're cheering for my kid, just like I cheer for theirs. Like I'm, I've never been a parent that has not cheered. If my kid was on the sidelines um, in college too, by the way, and their kid was playing, I've never not cheered for other people because I'm, what was me sad that my kid isn't playing. So I'm now going to treat them. And it's been done to me a lot. And Mm -hmm. I have it done to me a lot. You know, I, I will cheer for others, but I don't feel like it's sometimes in return and that's hurtful. Mm-hmm. And so I just think, love people, just cheer for people, be happy for people, no matter what they're doing and, and praise them. Cause I feel like you feel better about yourself when you can, when you can be that type of person and, and not let all the competitiveness, no matter what it is, sports or, or work or friendships or whatever come in the way. So that's kind of my probably my, my biggest thing is at the end of the day, we're all, we're all human and people and have feelings and emotions and, and are trying our best. We're working hard for our family or we're trying to give the right advice for our kids. And so that's probably the the thing I would say. No, that's a wonderful answer. And, and we appreciate you coming on the podcast and really just sharing your family and y'all's journey and all of their different journeys that they're going through right now. And if any of um, our community wants to reach out to you or find you, what's your Instagram handle? Where can they look you up? Because I'm sure you're going to have lots of questions coming your way. Oh yeah. I mean, I absolutely love, I mean, I have people asking me questions all the time about sports, about raising kids, about making some money while you're from, while you go. That's why I've loved what I've done so much because I've been able to travel to everything. Like we're leaving today at two to go to my son's game and I don't have to ask off for work, you know? And that's why I have loved doing what I've done so much because I can totally do it alongside my kids are my first priority. 
And so it's, and then, and, and, and I'm not chained to a nine to five job where I get docked hours. And so it's been, it's been a, a blessing. And so I would love to help anyone with sports questions, raising boys, raising kids in general, or business questions or whatever. But my handle is Amy, A-M-Y dot R dot white, W-H-I-T-E, like the color. So Amy dot R dot white. Perfect. And we'll add that in the show notes too. So everyone can find you easily. But thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. We just loved hearing you give us advice too for the future. So Mm -hmm. thank you again for coming on. Well, thank y'all for having me. I love meeting people exactly like y'all. So y'all are, it's, it's now y'all are my new friends. You just, without forever now, you're my friend. Love it. Yes. Love it. And thank you to everyone that's listening on the podcast and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast or on TikTok at More Than a Season for the latest updates. If you have enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.